what's the okay so here's the like i had my near-death experience on a bike like a month ago and i wasn't doing anything too crazy like i was basically just riding on a paved trail between neighborhoods in the woods and it said slippery when wet slow down so i braked and crashed and it's like in the wake i <laughs> like okay so apparently i i hit in such a way that i like sprained my left wrist pulled my right bicep and shoulder um and skinned my right forearm and shin and i and and hit my the side of my head on the ground i was wearing a helmet though yeah it's, it, was, it was like a whole deal so like mm -hmm. I, I i crash and i just eat it and i get up and like the front of me is covered with mud but i'm not there enough to realize this my only thought is like i need to get off this trip so i get up and i ride it <laughs> into the next neighborhood and i quickly realize like my vision is fading to gray as i'm riding and i'm like that's not Ooh. good so no, i sit down that's... and i call my buddy who lives like in one of those neighborhoods like i need to ride home and he picks me up and takes me home yeah, we get me some x-rays. Turns out I didn't break anything, but I've spent the better part of like five weeks. Like, you know, yeah, I've had full mobility, but I have very weak strength. And I went for my first bike ride in five weeks today. Oh, that's crazy. So when I hear, when I see motorcycles now, like I'm utterly terrified because this is what happened to me. Like, mind you, this is an e-bike, but I wasn't going 30 miles an hour. I was going like 12. Like I was going under pure pedal power and I just ate it like so you were, hard. You were on dirt. And it, I'm sure the trail isn't flat, you know. I mean, the, the only thing that made me feel slightly better is my friends like, oh, wait, the trail between those two neighborhoods? Like, yeah, he's like, oh, man, like they put that sign there because like there's runoff that goes through there. And it's basically just like sludge. He's like joggers go down there, other bikers. I'm like, that doesn't make me. I mean, like, it's like I feel like, OK, so it wasn't just me screwing up. But at the same time, like that really sucked. That was not a fun time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say the motorcycle's much tamer. You know, if you're talking street bikes, um, I mean, I did a thousand miles down, beautiful weather, flawless, you know, and then a thousand miles back. But West Virginia um, sucks because like at the south end of West Virginia is Tamarack, which is a nice rest stop. So I stopped there, grabbed lunch, looked at my phone and I see, oh, I'm going to hit some rain, rain in quotes. I'm going to hit some rain. So I put my rain suit on. And I'm like, cool, I'm ready. I'll just ride through it. I've, I've ridden in rain before. I know what to do. So I'm like cruising through West Virginia in the mountains and the skies open up and all of God's wrath drops upon me. And there is nowhere to pull off. There's like zero rest stops in the mountains. Like you can get off on a, a, an exit, but it's banjos, right? Like you're in the middle of nowhere. Like unless you're near Morgantown or Charleston, forget it. Um, so I finally get to a rest stop. It's still raining. And I, I get off my bike and I am just swearing up and down. Like, this is ridiculous. I realized that my rain suit is on the older side and all of the seams had failed. <laughs> so it, did, it was just pointless. So like I was drenched from head to toe. So I'm taking the rain suit off. I'm throwing it angrily in the trash and people are watching me. <laughs> I was like going into another rest stop to go to the bathroom. And I'm just standing there steaming. Uh, for 45 minutes under this picnic shelter and you know i'm watching the phone i'm watching the, the the rain pass finally passes i'm like fine get back on the bike i'm soaked <laughs> but you know 70 miles an hour you know not rain it starts to dry up i hit the ohio border the sun comes out it's like 85 degrees 90 degrees by the time i got home i was dry but that was the worst part of that trip that sounds so when you're riding your bike, like 
do you have like a headset? Are you listening to music or anything? Are you just enjoying the the ear splitting sounds of like, you know, American steel? Um, no. So my bike has a infotainment center on it. Yes. So it's got full GPS, um, AM, FM, Bluetooth. So what I did was it is, it's a high end lazy boy with a a giant engine. Um, but so it's got onboard speakers in the fairing and I can hear it with my helmet on. I can hear it at highway speed. So, so basically I've got ways on my phone, I'm streaming Spotify and I'm just going for glory. What is your, like, if there's like a go-to like long bike ride band, like what's the go-to for you? Oh man. See, I, I actually made a specific playlist for, for the trip down and it's a, a lot of classic rock mixed with like new rock. Um, so, but man, as far as like, like probably Zeppelin, like if I had to choose nice. one, like I'd probably go Zeppelin. Um, cause it's got enough like balls and chunk to, to, to make me feel, you know, that extra bit of manly that I need when I'm on the motorcycle. I'd be tempted to go just totally against type and do nothing but like yacht rock, just like lots of steely Dan, just, <laughs> Oh, trust me. Like when I'm rolling around town, like I, I just kind of shuffle a mix and there's none of Taylor Swift on it. Oh, so I'll wow. be at a stoplight and like, you know, something from, from Evermore will come on and like somebody will look at me at the, the stoplight. Like, what are you listening to? But yeah, that's spectacular. I'm very eclectic that way. <laughs> oh man. That's wild. I it's, you know, I, I, uh, there's a lot of appeal to that for me, but I recognize I'm 41 now. So I'm, you know, I'd already at death's door. Like I have had in the past year, three different recreational related vehicle crashes like uh two one wheel which i was asking for it i was on a one wheel but also it was the one wheel pint which is naturally squirrely like the the big one wheel the one you have to like shell out money for has like a squared off wheel but the one wheel pint which is built as the intro model is the one with the super rounded tire so imagine you're trying to balance on something that goes 16 miles an hour with a super rounded go-kart tire and it's fun when it's great, but it's also really not fun when it's not. And the first time I crashed, and that was also Park Sludge. But uh, the second time was a true green hose. The second crash was at the point where, like, I think yard guys thought they killed me. Like, the first time was in front of an elderly Asian lady and I think her grandson in a park. And, like, basically, I just go, like, I, I turn into this park trail. I think it's water, but it's sludge. I hit it. I fishtail and I just go down. I'm, I'm in like jeans. I was supposed to be picking my kids up. And like this, <laughs> this, this lady just kind of sees me and just like walks past me. I'm just laying there like groaning. I <laughs> saw nothing. I'm, like, I'm, all like... I'm, I'm thinking in my head like, okay, can I stand? Are both my knees good? Okay. I have to ride another mile and a half back to my car and then pick up the kids and I'm covered in mud. <laughs> it is like, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm never going to crash again because I know exactly what happened. And then like, you know, I wait a few weeks, like I'm all healed. Uh, the, the torn up shin underneath my jeans that was bleeding when I picked my girls up is all good now. And I'm like, okay, never happening again. So I, I would uh, go out for rides at lunch and I'm riding in a neighborhood. Like it's flat. It's fine. With the exception of the fact that someone's pit bull chased me for four blocks at one point, like it's cool. 
And that was exciting also because the dog looked really happy <laughs> and I didn't know if it was just friendly or is really excited about biting me. So, you know, it's like I'm going as fast as I can reasonably, because if you go too fast, you know, dive over the front and crash and then the dog bites you. So like I'm going out for a ride. It's like a weekday afternoon. And it's like the, the sun's kind of hitting where these trees are casting shadows across the road. So I'm just, you know, like black lines, oh. black lines. I'm riding and all of a sudden I'm face down, like I'm face down in the middle of the road. Like, you know, the side of my head hits the side of my head always hits like at some point. That's why I always invest in great helmets, like always wear great helmets. My work hasn't suffered yet. Um, But like I'm laying there and it's like I'm face down. I'm confused at what's happened. And also my tailbone hurts because apparently I landed in such a way that I guess I hit butt first, did a complete roll and then like face planted, like face down, just like a dead body, like an NCIS or something. And on both sides of the street are yard guys. And one of them is like a true green like crew that has their hose across the road. But I didn't oh. see it because it was in the shadow. So it's like, you know, something that's like thicker than a normal garden hose, but like a rock hard. And, yeah. you know, it's only like a 10 inch wheel. So that thing hits that. And I'm going like 12 miles an hour. And all of a sudden I'm going zero miles an hour. And that's when I was like, OK, I'm done forever now. I need to sell this. <laughs> and that's when I, I opted for the more dignified, stately and gentlemanly. Uh, what is it? The uh, juiced rip racer which uh, is an amazing bike. Um, and oh, I think I've gone up to 27 that, miles an hour on it, just not on that trail where I was going like 10 or 12 when I crashed. So first of all, at 41, if you're at death's door, that means I'm answering it. <laughs> I think I think you are death. I've seen Bill and Ted's I, bogus journey. And I think you could pull that off for Halloween. I should, I should look into that. There you go. But it reminds me of the story um god i was in no i wasn't in high school i was in like middle school and i was at my buddy's house and we were we were big skateboarders we're all live you know we lived in florida so you know it's all skateboard all the time and we're going down this huge hill in his neighborhood and we're just like terminal velocity and all of a sudden a dog runs out in front of me oh no and i'm like if i hit that dog i'm going down so why don't i smartly navigate into the grass so i like you know curve off to the right go into the grass and i expect to like just glide to a soft you know landing um the minute i hit the grass the wheels sunk and i did a front flip and i my heel came down in the grass and i shattered my foot like two broken two places and i was in a cast like all summer that was like the first day of summer and the cast all summer. That's so, crazy. I can't believe yeah. I've never broken anything. Like I still haven't considering That's all three of those wrecks. And like at this age, I should be breaking stuff. Like, uh, so I'm considering that that uh that luck. And I'm also not riding uh muddy trails on this bike again. But you know, it's like it's it's the risk. Like if you want to be active and you want to be out there doing stuff, like there's an inherent risk to it. It's like I could I could live a more sedentary life. You know, yeah, just right in the right in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's like wear your helmet. <laughs> I, I went out for an hour ride today uh, after uh, after I finished work, and it was great. I didn't do anything stupid. But have you heard? Okay, so this is this is off topic. Not that there is a topic. We had no less than three absolutely insane news stories come out of Memphis in a single week. So the first of which is funny, and then it gets very horrible after that. <laughs> okay, but the first one was the Alfredo wreck on I fifty five. I saw that. <laughs> a truck full of Bertoli Alfredo was like hit 
and it just spilled all over like four lanes. And I can tell you like that it's not like the biggest it, like artery of the highway, like pun intended, but it's like that for the smell and the road there oh. will never be the same. Like every time it rains, there will be pileups there. Oh, that's I didn't even think about the, the smell aspect of it. Yeah, it's but like yeah. you've got what, like a ton of dairy and it's like been and it's like super fatty, too. Right. Like, so the road's yeah. probably absorbing oh, some of it. Ugh, yeah. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> and if you're not miserable want. yet. So the next thing was the billionaire heiress that was kidnapped and murdered, which we didn't. So, OK, so you haven't heard about this. So, no. OK, so some background. She's described as a billionaire heiress, but that's because it's good for headlines realistically she is in a family that started a business so she is a you know an ultimate inheritor of that and she is wealthy but she's like a catholic school teacher like she and her okay. husband like have two kids and everything and she's really very well known in the community um but she was a marathon runner and she was out for a 4 a.m run and she was grabbed and pulled into an suv and was gone um oh my yeah and then That's... her body was found like a couple days later uh, in a park but the guy who uh, the guy who is alleged to have abducted her, we have to say alleged, you know, obviously we don't know for sure yet, but right. he had previous. OK, so she is the niece of a law partner at the firm my wife used to work at. It's a very prominent law firm in Memphis. In fact, it's where they filmed the firm like the firm yeah. is set in their firm. Oh, um, wow. So Mike Keeney, who is um, was one of my wife's uh, former associates, he was a law partner there and he is her uncle because he married in his family. Um, another partner at that same firm was abducted by the same guy 20 years before. Holy crap. Yeah. Like he kidnapped a dude and like tried to make him go to an ATM and take out money for him. And like the guy escaped at the ATM. So it's, it's so insane that like two people that are connected by this law firm, like both like had, you know, this guy abduct them at different points. That's, 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 that's mind boggling. It, it was <laughs> It was so it was so crazy. Like everyone was like, what is happening? You know, and a lot of people were suspecting it was like a ransom thing because she was so wealthy. But it, it apparently I don't know. Maybe there's speculation. The husband hired him, but we have no clue. Oh. Um, OK, so how do you top that with a third story? Oh, but wait, it gets worse, Mark. <laughs> but wait, there's more. So I think it was like last. Gosh, no, it was. Yeah, it, it's been a week. OK. Uh, the newscaster that was on the scene for this one, like actually started crying. It's, it's been such a hard week. Um, a 19 year old who had previously been sentenced to three years in prison for attempted murder, decided to go on a Facebook live murder spree where he was going around shooting people while live streaming at the Facebook. Oh my God. My, yeah, my so, nephew just moved to Memphis, man. I don't need at, this. At one point he like changed cars. Like it was a whole thing. It was just like a reign of terror. Like, no, it, it's like, it's what the Joker would do. Like if you want to just freak people out in general, <laughs> like that's, I mean, we're used to like crime. Like that's not foreign to us. Like, right, you know, Memphis but... has fairly healthy crime rates, but like, these are like bonkers crimes. And it's just yeah. been like such a bizarre week. And like it started with the Alfredo and like we thought we'd like hit peak weird and, and, and strange, but like it's been like full on David Lynch around here. That Yeah. Wow. Holy crap. That's, That's Ohio. <laughs> uh, you know, comparatively, it's fine. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's like, look, I mean, this is not our brand. Like our brand is like, yeah, you know, it's like look, yeah. we've got crime, but this isn't our crime. This yeah. is like Zodiac killer stuff. We're not Detroit. <laughs> I know. Come on. Like we're like, we can't rival that. All right. So you, you mentioned you went to New York. Did, did you eat anywhere good? I ate many good places, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about I got to speak at the New York City Tug on Monday evening, opened for Andy. You know, I'm going to say I opened for Andy. Really, I spoke before Andy Creel. Um, And it was really good. And Andy was great and everything. But afterwards, I went out to eat with uh, Joe Bush, my director. And we were looking for a place back in uh, downtown, which is where we're staying. And we found like this cool rooftop Italian place. And um, the food was just really mediocre. But more importantly, on the menu, they had guacamole, which... what? Guagamole. Guacamole. Guacamole. And it was both on the print menu. And I don't mean like a printed out paper menu, like COVID era. I mean like permanent menu. But then also on their website is guacamole. And they had like pictures. It was also like $20. Um, What is guacamole? The picture looked like guacamole. But it was described as guacamole. And (laughs) if you go on to Google and you type in guacamole, after you correct it to say, no, I did not mean guacamole. <laughs> I meant guacamole. There are recipes for guacamole. And guacamole, assuming this is what that was and not actually guacamole, but spelled incorrectly, it's <laughs> guacamole, but kind of stretched out with cream cheese, which is probably great. But if it's that great, then, you know, why doesn't anyone do it? But yeah, that that's more important. I ate like pizza at least four times and all of them were awesome. So I asked that question because it's a loaded question because I was I was looking at the, the news and just I every now and then I just have to get into news of the weird. And I noticed that there is a cat food inspired restaurant opening in New York. And I just didn't know if it had opened yet. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. So this this cat fired or cat inspired restaurant, it's Gato Bianco. <laughs> Wow. Uh, it is a pop-up dining experience and it is a tasting menu for humans inspired by their cat medley's recipes. Um, so what think, fresh think, hell is that? I mean, even for New York, come on. Think about like fancy feast, you know, the commercials, they make it look so appetizing. They do put it in nice dishes. They, they do. Um, but apparently they're bringing that same feline dining experience to the human world. Um, it's only going to be a two-day pop-up, so we may have missed it. I don't know. Um, but may, who knows? Maybe it'll catch on. You know, it just seems like it's such a desirable thing to experience that I can't imagine it'll only last two days. But, I mean, I was wow. disappointed. I didn't see a single bodega cat while I was in New York, and I went to some bodegas. So the fact I f- actually follow a bodega cat Twitter account because I think it's hilarious that in New York, like in bodegas, like, just a cat living there is just a feature of that. It's like, uh, uh, it, it sounds horrible. Like, like cat food is like, oh, what if you took this nice piece of fish? Now, what if you just mashed the hell out of it? There you go. That's cat food. So apparently this restaurant is piggybacking off of a fancy feast cookbook <laughs> that, that was out in 2021. Um, but why? Uh, apparently though, like I'm just, I'm looking at the article now. Apparently the pop-up was August 11th and 12th. So it might be worth going on Yelp and seeing if we can find some reviews. 
I, I mean, of all the things I feel like I missed out on, the other thing obviously was the Stranger Things experience, which I think was in Brooklyn, which I did not get to go to because tickets were sold out, but it looked really awesome. So I, I missed oh, out I on that as well. Although I did go to still- MoMA and Natural History and I got to go to MoMA with Adam Miko, which was great. He showed me his tour and then I actually uh, took my wife back later in the week and seemed knowledgeable about things. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, there's a, and there's also the Smithsonian has a new Native American Heritage Museum, which is in, I believe, uh, oh my gosh, it's downtown. It's in like the old Alexander Hamilton building. It's a really great building and uh, it's a really well curated exhibit which uh, kind of blows natural history's Native American stuff out of the water. So really cool. I, uh, so full transparency, I've actually never hung out in New York City. Yeah. I've never been to New York City. So um, I need to do that. I need to go and, and hang out in New York City. You do. So I've only been twice. Like, so I build this whole thing because uh, I admit that my uh, online persona is a bit of P.T. Barnum and Huckstery, um, Return of the Zack, because my original Tableau training, the very first time I touched Tableau, was in 2016 in uh, in New York, in um, the same area where I was going. Because the reason I was in town for this business trip was uh, to go to the data school. So JLL was doing a project with the data school for the week. Like while the trainees of the data school are in their sort of training period, every week they do a client project. So different clients, and a lot of these clients typically never show up in person. So we kind of made a big show of it and brought some folks in from around the country and you know get out JLL swag and stuff. And um, nice. Laura Peterson and I, my uh, my colleague who is on the set team, they're sort of like our uh, teaching and standards uh, team. And I'm sort of on the delivery team. Uh, we, you know, got to hang out with them all week and uh, coach them up on the projects. And it was really great, great experience. But uh, yeah, that's why I was there. But let me tell you, the thing I was intimidated about most about New York was uh, the subway, because I don't live somewhere that has a subway. The only time I've ever ridden the subway before was when I was like, 11 in Washington, DC. So I was like, I was feeling very uncomfortable with the idea. It's very painless. Like if you've got a uh, contactless pay on your phone, or if you know, you're a little more agile and just don't jump the turnstile. Um, it's, it's, which, which I saw one teenager do aptly. And then I saw someone else do very, very poorly, but it's like $2.75 <laughs> to ride like anywhere in the city. So you just kind of get in there. And honestly, that's one of my fears, which is hilarious because I love the DC Metro. Like every time I go to DC, I, I have no fear of getting on the Metro. I went to Barcelona in March and I had no problem using that subway all week. And it's in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish fluently. Um, and I was fine navigating that. But like, yeah, for some reason, it's like New York. It's like, ooh, yeah, it's probably all the movies. It's like, you know, how many different ways am I going to get mugged? You know, I'll be sitting on the train alone midday because that happens, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, the Jets and the Sharks show up and I'm in a knife fight. If only, right? I'll right. tell you, there, there's an amazing app called City Mapper, which uh, someone clued me into about my second or third day there. City Mapper is like idiot proof. The only thing that's difficult about City Mapper is usually in the middle of the city your phone can't recognize which direction you're actually facing. So it's like, sense. you're kind of spinning, but it'll be like, Hey, walk down to Broadway, go, d- <laughs> go down four flights of stairs, get on the C line, wait for it, four stops, get off, go upstairs. You know, it's like, it's, it's really painless. And that really made the experience a lot easier and uh, less scary. Yeah. I was actually supposed to go to New York um, a couple of months ago. I guess it was a couple months ago, um, but my trip got canceled. So I was going to be at the Salesforce tower for a little bit. That's where I spoke. Um, it's really cool. You'd like it. Yeah, that's cool. 
And it's uh, that's in sort of Midtown where um, all the sort of famous Times Squaresy stuff is, which is fun to see once, but it's not an area you really want to hang out in. Like it's not fun. It's it's where all the tourists go because they want photo ops. But it's right. You know, if you want to go eat at like a fun restaurant or something, that's not where you would go. Right. The, the, the TGI Fridays at Times Square is the last place that I want to be. I have um, eaten at that TGI Fridays because my, <laughs> as you know, my friend David Kelly and I, the first time we went to New York, we didn't know anything about the subway either. And when we <laughs> finished our training in the afternoon, we decided, you know what, let's just walk north as far as we can stand. So we walked for about two hours, which got us to Central Park. And then we decided I'm really, really hungry. And the only thing we could get into was the TGI Fridays in um, Times Square. We ate there. and. Yeah, it was. And then we proceeded to walk back to downtown, which I, you know, New York is the city that never sleeps, but that's sort of a, a misnomer in the sense that if you don't live there, you assume it's just everywhere is like that. But downtown is just like mostly businesses. So by the time we got back to where we we're staying at like 10 at night, it was like a John Carpenter movie or something like we're walking down the streets and like we are the only things we have here heard or seen for like four blocks which is far more creepy than being around like someone creepy. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, important safety tip there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I feel like, okay. So it's been a weird week, uh, just a little bit, mainly, mainly because the queen died and I don't know how to feel. Um, so um, for, for, for people who are listening to this and don't know, um, my family is British hundred percent. I was actually the first person born in the United States. Um, like I had dual citizenship up till 18. And if there was ever any point that I wanted a British citizenship, I could basically snap my fingers and make it happen. But I don't know how to feel like she's been queen the whole time that I've been alive. Um, she was queen when, so my mom is 86. Wow. So she, she's, she became queen when my mom was 16, 15 or 16 which is incredible to think about. Like I was looking just because the numbers around her fascinate me, right? You know, 70 years on the throne, which is a record, but 80% of the people in Britain have only known her as queen, which is like insane. Um, she's existed on the throne for nearly 30% of us history since wow. 1776, which is an astounding number. It really is. You know, so it's like, it's really real. And the chances of us ever having a female monarch again, probably fairly slim because the male line is fairly strong through, through the rest of the Windsor family. So it's a very, very interesting end of an era, I guess. I'm also British, but I was born without an accent, Mark. Me too. No, No, I, um, but it's one of those things where it's like, um, like you're saying, I, I don't know how to feel about it. And I have far less of a connection to it than you, if anything, like my, my sort of family genealogy would go in the opposite direction because my family is gosh, like eight generations old in the U S or something. So like I have relatives that are like uh, fought the American revolution and stuff that I can identify. Um, so it's like one of those things where it's like, I mean, not that I have any animosity towards the British or anything, I, but it's one of those things where like, I don't really understand the British monarchy. Like, it's like, you have a, like, you actually have an elected government and then there's the monarchs, which like seem to like, just kind of be like super celebrities, but also like, we forget that there's like 12 tiers of them. There's like, just like, there's like the Harpo of like the Royal <laughs> fam. <laughs> like, yeah. Know? Like they all came out of the woodwork this week. It's like, Oh yeah. I forgot princess Anne existed. You know? <laughs> 
And I mean, I mean, and now it's King Charles, which I it's seemingly no one has been excited for except for King Charles. Yeah. Um, well, and shit, imagine being 73 years old, unemployed for all those years, and then you got to wake up and go work. That would suck. Well, it's like, I wanted this in like 1992. It's too late now. I was enjoying my right. golden years. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, I was enjoying that speech I gave like a month ago where he was like in, on the throne, like in full regalia, talking about bad econo- economic times, which is always a bad take. Like, yeah. like you need like track pants or something for that. Yeah. So, and it's really interesting that he actually kept Charles because Charles the first and second were not revered as monarchs. That was not great. So I figured like I wanted him. So he's Charles Philip Arthur, I believe are his names. You could be King uh, Arthur. I, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, why not? Why are you not King Arthur? That is just, that is a missed opportunity. Can you imagine the meme culture alone would be fantastic? Oh, seriously. Especially since like Arthur's supposed to return and Britain's like direst time or whatever. Like that exactly. could be your pitch. I mean, also that it's going to be used aggressively against you, but yeah, I mean, still like this could be great. I would go everywhere with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> I might do that anyway. Do you know who I am? <laughs> oh man it's it's one of those things like it's gonna it's gonna be like a whole new age for for england you know because it's like uh, while they have you know sort of parliamentary leaders that turn over and stuff like the queen has been the constant like i guess she's kind of set the tone for the country in many ways so that's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out yeah and and i mean if you listen to the rumors charles's health isn't great like there's some things that aren't maybe right with him so it's going to be uh william for too long um, and what Williams is he in his fifties? He's got to be in his forties at least. Late late forties, maybe. I mean, his hairline makes it difficult. Um, <laughs> Mark, <laughs> <laughs> I I thought uh, it, but you said it. So like, <laughs> I'm waiting for my, my bald think, I'm friend pre- to say something. I'm pretty sure he went bald in his thirties, you know. So I, I, I'm not going to say anything, but which is really unfortunate because I remember when I was in high school, every girl I knew was just absolutely smitten with him. And if oh, you yeah. were able to like show the picture of William now, they'd be like, "No, no, That's not him, no, no." <laughs> um. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how long Charles lasts, and and then William, and who knows? We'll we'll have to see what happens. Like up next in British monarchy, like Zach, yeah. Zach and Mark talk in like a, a barely <laughs> informed capacity. For, for real, right? Like, like I'd sound like a royalist, but I could honestly rub two pennies together and create the amount of friction my brain cells produce. The royals. Um, so yeah, it's it was just like this week. It was like everywhere. And plus, so my parents were in town this past weekend. Um, and of course, like my parents are flying the day that that queen elizabeth passed you know so i'm like i'm like i don't know what kind of condition my parents are going to be in. are they going to be upset and no they weren't (laughs) oh my gosh it's one of those things where like i have british friends and i'm like should i say something should i not say something sorry for your loss (laughs) and it's like you know like there's some people where you're like my condolences and they're like oh i like i'm glad and like wow okay that was a strong reaction and there are other people like i it's like, you know, not, not a big deal. Like, I'm absolutely shattered. It's like, it could go any way here. Oh, yeah. And and I was at, I mean, I shouldn't be shocked, but I was a little bit shocked at some of the, she was a horrible person because of all of the atrocities that the British Empire has, you know, committed over the years. And they're still column, Commonwealth, 15 Commonwealth countries or whatever it is. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I, I stay out of the, the politics of it, but Hey, I'm, my last word on it is, Hey, rest in peace. Uh, best wishes to the family. God save the King. <laughs> and season three of Ted Lasso coming soon. Yes. Yes. I am <laughs> so ready for that. So ready for that. And the new Mandalorian as well coming soon. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of quality TV coming. There's a lot of reasons for me not to do anything with my life coming up soon. That's right. Yeah. Which is just in time for winter. <laughs> Absolutely. Because God knows I don't want to go outside. Like in Memphis, it just starts raining at a certain point. It doesn't even get that cold. It might get cold for like a couple days a year, but it just gets gross. And you don't really care about doing anything except, you know, I don't know, binge watching only murders in the building. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Is it good? It is good. If you like murder podcasts, it's the murder podcast, the TV show about the murder podcast. It actually okay, also a- spoofs like a serial. It has a uh, Tina Fey in it as a uh, serial esque <laughs> podcaster, which is fun. Okay. Well, I might have to, I might have to check that one out. So anyone that was looking for like cogency or like a through line in this particular podcast episodes out of luck, this was an excuse for us to catch up. So yeah, honestly, um, which it's been far too long. It has. You know what? We need to do a little bit more Ask Them Anything. We need to find some poor sucker that's willing to be subjected to questions by Rodrigo and Vince. Yes. And, and we should take a moment to talk about our new podcast idea. Go on. Okay. So so Zach and I were, were trying to think of something that was not data related. Um, and Zach wrote at one point a brilliant review on Glassdoor of a prior employer and i was i was like dude you know what we need to do is we need to scour glassdoor and find these gems and just talk about them and we can talk about our experience in the workplace we can talk about strategies on you know how to like confront some of these things or or, or you know mitigate risks and things like that and we're like yeah we should totally do that we haven't done it yet but how have we not i don't know and we got a great title for it. Like it's going to be fantastic. It is going to be fantastic. It might be the greatest thing we've ever thought of. It's going to have far more listeners than this. Yeah. Which isn't yeah. hard, but still no. far more than this. <laughs> Mark and Zach chewing the fat. That's right now. It's just like, we're not doing anything. If only they saw uh, the video too, that would be extra boring. It's like two guys sitting in darkened <laughs> rooms by themselves. Oh my gosh. Oh, we should yes. spend the rest of the time talking about podcasts that are better than this. Like, have you seen the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast? It's wonderful. I haven't. The one I've gotten into recently is it's called Shits and Gigs. And, and it's two guys from, I think, from like Manchester, UK. And it takes at least four or five uh, podcasts before you actually start picking up the lingo because the slang they use. Good God. Like, I'm Googling. I'm like, what the hell do they mean by this? Um, but I, it is, it, it's not um, PC by any stretch of the imagination. Um, some of the stuff they talk about is just rank, but but I was driving, uh, I was driving back from Pittsburgh um, and listening to it, and I was in tears, laughing, just hilarious. So so yeah, so if you're looking for a, a rather random podcast, shits and gigs. <laughs> To, to that end, I'm going to uh, play, we're, since we're plugging podcasts that are better than this one, 
Um, my Iron Viz entry this past year was based on the podcast Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, which is uh, yes. Michael Ian Black, who's a comedian, and Tom Cavanaugh, who's a comedic actor. And uh, every week they are ostensibly reviewing snacks, uh, but really it's an excuse for them to do improvisational comedy for about 45 minutes. But it's, uh, it's amazing uh, how they can, you know, find a way to make you die laughing talking about like, m&ms with peanuts or cheetos or oreos <laughs> yeah. like like they've got vendettas against certain companies because like they sent them something in and it's like it's like you're bringing your weak weak game with your pop chips or whatever like it's 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 <laughs> definitely worth a listen i if you're gonna listen to an episode i'm gonna tell you which one to listen to it's the kroger's very cherry jelly belly pudding Ooh, I haven't listened to that one. I've listened to that one a few times, but I have not listened to that episode. I'm off to find that one. That episode, it's like they're reviewing like liquid plastic, and it's every bit <laughs> as wonderful to listen to as you can. As I say, just the name alone sounds horrid. But... Oh, yeah. It's like my kids, I'm convinced, would not eat that, and they eat absolute rank garbage. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I, 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 I got back into doing just five minutes. Like I took a summer break, which was an accident, um, but I recorded an earlier version of today's and I ended up trashing it because it just wasn't interesting. But the reason my parents were up was they're moving from Florida to Ohio um, to live in a senior living community. Um, and I've been scoping them out and collecting data as I would um, on these different communities around my house Um and I use this company called A Place for Mom. You probably heard them on the radio or on TV, perhaps. But it's a free service. And I'm talking about how great the experience was. And, and at the end of it, I'm like, this is not a paid promotional. But hey, if you want to give me some cash, you know, please feel free. Um, but yeah, so I ended up trashing that. because I was like, who cares that my parents are moving uh, to a senior living community? <laughs> I like your confidence. in. The- I know. <laughs> That's how I feel about most of my podcasts. You know, I'm like, I appreciate the 12 people that listen to it, but I'm just like, Hey, you know, <laughs> like I'm trying to be at least a little bit entertaining. If, if I did this podcast based on it, how many people I actually thought would listen, it wouldn't be worth doing just because it's a subsection of a subsection of a niche community in the first place. But the people that like it really seem to like it. So that's great. That's but, true. And my mom listens. So, you know, hi mom. Hi mom. I'm going to take <laughs> up Mark's advice. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Eventually, not now. Love you, mom. Uh, but <laughs> but um, no, it's uh, that like, look, it's you got to do what you got to do. And you're, you're doing your thing. You're talking about what's actually going on in your life. It's um, gosh, it's funny. Like how sometimes uh, like trying to use data to solve real world problems. I actually had to use Alteryx not too long ago. I'm just learning uh, geographic stuff in Alteryx because I'm working up towards the uh, sort of uh, more senior exam past the core certification. And I had an opportunity to use it for a project because they wanted to uh, uh, only include certain things that happened within a certain distance of other things. I'm like, oh, well, it's a great opportunity to apply this. And then uh, I went and did that. And they're like, oh, that's actually in a different data set. All you have to do is join to that. I'm like, okay, well. But I did it. I learned something. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I did it the fancier way. You know, I've worked with people in the past that like, you know, if you sort of, found an easier way of doing something or went and looked up the way someone else did it versus sort of just figuring it out for yourself. Like the most difficult way possible would be like, I don't know if you really did that. And it's like, 
Well, like why you stand on the shoulders of the entire human civilization in the past. Like if, if like real life is open book, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Um, but yeah, the whole data thing, like, I don't know how much you know about senior living communities. I do not. So let's go. But I, I didn't know anything either. Let's make um, my podcast boring too, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, this, this has consumed my life for the last like four weeks. Like as I've been touring all these places, bring the taint of just five minutes here as well, please. Let's do this. <laughs> so here, here's the taint. <laughs> um, they're amazing. Like, if I had the scratch, like right now, I'd move in because all the utilities, Wi-Fi, basic cable, um, doctors, podiatrists, dentists, physical therapists, they all come in. Like, you know, you don't have to go anywhere. They'll shuttle you wherever you need to go, shopping, uh, doctor appointments, whatever. It's it's crazy. Um, and they're like, like, if you've ever been in a really high-end timeshare or a resort, like when you walk into this place, I'm like, good God, there's like a baby grand in the wow. in the foyer and like it looks like a five star restaurant in the right. And I'm just like, man, it's like, I'm, I, you know, and people wonder or worry about like, oh, you know, you're just dumping your parents in there or whatever. I'm like, shit, I'm going to go there and eat at least once a week. The food looked amazing. It sounds like their <laughs> life is better than yours at this point. It, well, it probably will be once they move up because they're not going to have to mow the yard. They don't have to do maintenance. Um, like if they want a TV hung on the wall, maintenance just does it. I'm just I'm like, sweet. They have um, channels that only show Matlock and Quincy. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My mom was complaining. Cause like some of the places did not have the game show network. Like that's her, that's her jam. Like she just loves game shows. Um, and like a couple of the facilities or not facilities, the communities that we were looking at, um, did not have the game show network. And I, I felt like she immediately discounted them. She's like, we are not not even looking at this place. Although uh, I assured her that we can get the extended cable package and she would be able to get the game show network. Um, but you know, I, I think she's right though. It's like, you know, getting the concert rider where all the green M&Ms are picked out. And the real reason is like, look, if you're going to not read that part, how do I know the lighting rig is set up and it's not going to crush me? She's like, Hey, look, I don't see the game show network at this old folks home. Like that's concerning to me that you don't know your audience. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, the other the other best part of this so my, my mom is a hoot man she, she truly is um she's a big bingo player too you know it, it's all the stereotypes of, of senior citizens oh yes <laughs> but she's like uh, you know i pl only play for big money like they're, they're playing for like dollars and like gift baskets and stuff in the, in the community she's like where's the closest vfw so i can get that cash money <laughs> she's a bingo whale like she, she comes smaller <laughs> Well, it's funny because the 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 um, senior salesperson that we were talking to, she's like, "Well, how many cards do you play at one time?" And my mom's like nine, and I'm like, "Damn!" She's got a little stamper. Yeah, she got she does, man. She's got the dauber, and she looks like a serial killer at the table. Just um, that's wild, but, man. Yeah, she's crazy. I'm not but, sure I could do that. I, I don't think I think like so. I go like when I go visit them, I'll go play bingo. I can run six, but it's, I got to work. Like I can't have any distraction. I can't take a sip of a drink. I can't do nothing. I'm running those cards. I feel comfortable, more comfortable at four. 
<laughs> but you got to stretch yourself. You, you push I, to the six. I, yeah, that's right. You, well, you know, if you're not exercising your brain, it'll just turn off on you. <laughs> you're, you're feeling the rush. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you're getting a workout too. It's, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little more strenuous than aqua aerobics. That's right. You have to switch arms every, every game, you know, so you get the left hand dauber and the right hand dauber. The, the left hand is less accurate, you know, so it's, just, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's, it, it's like a very, very light shake weight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> God, that'd be awful. <laughs> That's the visual that I did not need in my life. Oh. The, the shake weight, possibly the most ill-conceived piece of workout equipment ever. And that's saying something because there's been a lot in the history of workout equipment. That's like, how does this help? Master. And, right? Like, I, oh. I mean, the thought, like I had one of those things, like I, I think I came with my house. Like sometimes you move in and people leave junk. It was one <laughs> of those like sit up machines where it's got that really tight, like garage door spring in it. And you hook your feet in these things and you pull back this bar with your hands. And I guess it's supposed to be an ab workout, but God help you if those things slip off your feet, because that thing's <laughs> rocketing towards your face. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There have been some really bad workout stuff. What was the one, the, oh, the gazelle. Do you remember the gazelle? Oh yeah, man. Like it just looks dangerous and scary. Just watching like they're tilting at like a 45 degree angle and running sideways, which I don't know how that's a better workout than just running vertically, but it yeah. looked impressive and dangerous. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, gosh, it was like years and years ago. Like I, at this point, I've, I've obviously given up, but uh, I was doing P90X <laughs> at the time. <laughs> this was before I had kids when I cared about my physical appearance and health. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was doing P90X and um, gosh, it was like uh, plyometrics, which is their leg day, which is the absolute most brutal workout I've ever done of anything. It's, you know, just so much jumping, but um. I, I'm doing this and it's raining outside and my wife's on her way home and I finished the workout and like, I'm staggered. My legs are just fried. It's actually the first day I've ever done it. And I go out and look at the front door and the streets are flooded. And I'm like, what? And like, it's not just so the streets flooded. It's actually started to make its way up my yard. Like my yard has like a slight angle, like, like maybe like a 12 degree angle or something, Ooh. but like it's creeping up the yard. And I call my wife. I'm like, okay, I've got bad news. You can't come in the neighborhood. And if the house floods, I cannot carry any furniture upstairs right now. So, like, <laughs> so I'm trapped in the house and I'm watching this rain. Like it's, it's just, it's because we have like a neighborhood lake and it connects out to a river. And apparently the river backed up, flooded the neighborhood lake. And it was just rising and rising and rising. Oh, and at a certain point I'm looking out and my mailbox is almost completely underwater. And it's starting to Ooh. lap at like the, the mulch of the flower bed at my front porch. And I'm like, I am so beyond screwed. Yeah. And then like oh. an hour later, it's just all gone. Like oh it was, it was crazy. It was like an act of God, but it was like, I'm sitting there. I'm just awake. I'm going to, like, this house is going to flood. There's nothing I can do. I can't leave. And I also can't do anything here. Like it was the right. most helpless feeling. I'll be lucky if I can get up the stairs. Right. Like I'm just going to army crawl, drag myself upstairs. Oh. Yeah. I used to do, um, do you remember Billy Blank's Tybo? Oh yes. I did Tybo for a while back when I cared. Um, it was so funny cause I was doing it religiously and it was working. It was seriously working. And then I got like bronchitis and so, I just stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't get back into the flow. I was like, Oh God, screw it. 
that that's how almost all these things go like you're doing something it's working really well one thing happens you completely abandon it it's so sad it really is because you know it's really good for you but like the minute something like falls in the way like i was walking like I, <laughs> this tells you my level of you're gonna give up right? on walking i gave up on walking i was getting up every morning in june like the end of may and june so after tableau conference basically when i got back from tableau conference i had walked like 40 miles that week and i was like man i feel great you know back surgery still you know it's done me well and i was like i'm gonna get up and walk every morning so i was walking like two to three miles every morning before my work day on the weekends and then um i went on a trip i had to go to austin texas or no where did i go i went somewhere and I basically fell completely out of the walking. And then I, I and I, I just can't drag my butt out of bed anymore. And like now school started and I, I'm still trying to get into that flow and making sure everybody's out of the house and life happens, man. I, don't... I mean, like I, I for I, my my primary uh, workout thing is a couple times a week. I go for a walk with David Kelly at lunch. Well, we had conflicting stuff throughout the summer, him being out of town, me being out of town, my kids being home for two weeks at a time because no camps would take them because they're monsters or alternatively the camps were booked. I'm not sure which one it was, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like, so just all these alternating things. So it's like weeks at a time without that. Then I was using cycling as my primary method of exercise because while I am using a, you know, enhanced bike, I'm basically just using that as an excuse to ride further or take on more aggressive hills than I would normally. So I was getting a decent workout there, but then I injured myself. And my legs are fine, but my arms were too weak to use the handlebars. So I couldn't even ride. So like literally today was the first time I've ridden because I my arms were not strong enough to release the bolts to straighten my handlebars to ride the bike again. But, but I'm back now. So well, that's only good. a matter of time before something happens and I'm not riding bikes again or walking. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a human nature thing. There are those people out there that like, that's their favorite thing, you know, and they'll find a way to do it no matter what, but clearly yeah. that's not us. That's no, no. Like I used to have Strava installed on my app or on my phone. It feels like and denial. I would follow. Yeah. And I would follow people and I would laugh when people would follow me. I'm like, wow, talk about a dead feed. <laughs> Like you're not getting anything from me, but like, I would see like, you know, Andy and Eva, like, you know, running and cycling and swimming. And I'm just like, man, you go. <laughs> that's not me. Let me tell you what worked for me for a while was at my old job. Uh, we, for a while did like a Fitbit group where we would uh, sort of do a weekly challenge and we started to get really, really, really unhealthily aggressive with it. So we would do stuff like, um, people would turn off their sink. Like they would just disable Bluetooth <laughs> and then just drop huge amounts of exercise on you unexpectedly. And I think the time I did that to the greatest effect was like one afternoon I turned off sync and I ran a half marathon in my living room while watching movies. And then I turn it back on and just drops like, you know, 30,000 <laughs> steps or something. So when I worked for, for Harley back in the day, um, I had a Fitbit and I went to Milwaukee. I was actually, it was for um, like my onboarding boot camp. It was like a week that I was in Milwaukee. And the coolest thing was that I got to borrow one of the company owned vehicles. Now in my head, I'm like, it's going to be some beer motorcycle, you know, but it's going to get me from the hotel to the facility where we're doing all the training and stuff. It'll be great. I show up and this is a brand new 2015 CVO Street Glide. 
um, which CVO is the custom vehicle operation. So it's got the high-end paint, the four speaker system, the upgraded engine, and it's got 15 miles on it. What's this like, retail for? The the CVOs are cl- probably close to 40 grand. Wow. So so they're just like handing this to me. Like they're like, here, sign it out. And I'm like, holy crap. So um I immediately uh ride to Chicago. Um <laughs> like like I, I was meeting a friend like near the Illinois border. He was in Chicago. And so I we rode down, found this random restaurant. But my Fitbit, apparently this bike shakes so much. <laughs> that my Fitbit registered 42,000 steps <laughs> and my coworker, cause we did kind of the same thing at Harley. We had a, a bit challenge and she looked at my Fitbit numbers and she goes, what in the hell did you do in Milwaukee? And I had to like figure out the timing of everything. I'm like, Oh, that was the motorcycle. <laughs> That's crazy. I wonder oh, what those yeah. kind of vibrations do to the human body, like good stuff or bad stuff. Um, I mean, Honestly, so like on my ride to Florida, I was doing 500 miles a day. Um, The worst part, honestly, and um, this is maybe TMI, but I couldn't feel my ass and my inner thighs um, were a little bit like just from like kind of not like gripping the the tank, but you kind of like hold on a little bit. I get it. I think just subconsciously. So like I was a little bit sore. Um, is it like being saddle sore from riding a horse? Yes, I, I would. I would say yes. It's exactly like that. Um, or even like for long plane rides, like if you're on a transatlantic flight, and like I don't know about for me, it's about three hours where I've, I've got to get up and walk around um, before my my rear end is just like screaming at me. Um, but yeah, the arms and stuff it doesn't bother me. But the other thing is at least for Harleys, at least for the, the touring Harleys like I have, it has cruise control. Mm. So I don't have to keep the right hand throttled the whole time. Like I can set cruise control. I can rest my arm. I can rest my other arm. You know, I've got highway pegs so I can put my legs out and stretch them. I look ridiculous when I do these things, but um, it helps with the, like the whole vibration thing. And honestly, the only time you really feel the vibration that badly is when you're sitting at a stoplight. Because you're sitting there and you're just shaking, you know, <laughs> waiting to start moving in. Once you start moving and the and it's not the engine isn't idling, it's fairly smooth. So, like, okay, with like choppers and stuff like that, they're those dudes with those really upcurved handlebars where it's like they're trying to do like a Superman flying yes. thing. Like, the, the how does anyone ride that for any extended period? I don't know. So they're called ape hangers, which is hilarious. Um, But I've seen guys that ride like cross country on those things. Like they're going to Sturgis and stuff. And I'm like, and they're like, oh no, it's really comfortable. I'm like, bullshit. Like my shoulders would just ache if I was like this, like just doing it right now. You're a drummer too. I know. That's just an unnatural position, but yeah, I don't know. They swear by them. And I'm like, you're, you're crazy. That's insane. I, that you're yeah. giving me an opportunity to tan to tangent over and complain about air travel. So air travel is terrible and is always getting worse. Yeah. So uh, I uh, in my flight to New York, I arrived at the airport. Um, I had like a six thirty a.m. flight. So you know, I got up at four in the morning and made it to the airport by about like five fifteen. Um, the line to check. Okay, and I recently got TSA pre-check. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, oh god, this is gonna make my life so much easier, and it does. But like, you still have to check your bag which is the yeah. great equalizer. So like the bag check line was like a half hour long. 
by the time I made it through it, they're like, oh, it's too late to check a bag for your flight. Like what? It's like, yeah, we have to move you to a new flight. So they moved me to a new flight an hour later. And my original flight was a direct, but my new flight had a layover in Charleston, which, you know, is a fairly expansive airport. And get this, they didn't tell me this, but I found this out as I was running to get to my plane in the first place. My layover was about 20 minutes long. Oh, Jesus. What so the hell are they thinking? My next flight was boarding before my current flight even landed. So I actually had, I think I had a 12 minute window between my plane landing and my, the next one taking off in a different terminal. And I somehow made it, which made me feel like a god. Like it's, yeah. I was the last person on that plane and people looked irritated, but I felt like an absolute hero. It was amazing. Yeah. So, and now I remember where I went that killed my walking because we went to Punta Cana, uh, Dominican Republic, which was amazing. Um, but we had a very short layover too. Like, I, but like 20 minutes is godlike. Like ours was like an hour, but with delays and everything else, I knew that it was going to get shortened. Um, and yeah, it was one of those things where we land and while we're walking, we hear the first boarding announcement. I'm like, I, and I hate that. Like I stress when I travel like Me that. But yeah, oh God. And it's just gotten worse. Like the check-in and we were first flight, like the 630 flight to leave Cleveland. And yeah, you're right. It's a half an hour and it stretches all the way across the terminal. And you look at that and you immediately start having anxiety attacks. Like I am going to miss my flight. Um, so yeah, if you're traveling, if you haven't been to the airport recently, go earlier than you think you need to. Because if you got to check a bag, you're going to be there a while. For real, I'm I'm a person with I get anxiety around travel, especially when I know I'm not in control, which is air travel and air travel. It's like between the fact that I can basically be detained at any point for no reason and and the fact that it's like generally the entire process seems like it's always improvised. Like I still don't know how they haven't figured out how to unload planes faster. Like it's time to unload. Everyone stand up and act confused you yeah. know, every single time. Um, but it's yeah, it's 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 just such a miserable experience to me. And it's not like the the I don't even care about being in the air, like you know, like several miles in the air. That's the least. <laughs> like people think if you have anxiety around flying, it's because you're worried about the plane crashing. At that point, I almost wish the plane would crash. Like that would be a lateral move from the current state of air travel. Oh my god the loading of a plane let's forget about the unloading the loading of the plane like back in the day i remember they used to load they'd load first class first which is fine because they needed their champagne and and their, their you know whatever and their blankets but then they would load from the back of the plane forward which seems logical which seems logical because then you don't have people like trying to stuff steamer trunks in the overhead bins and like just get to the back and do your shit and like, we'll fill the rest of the plane as we go. Now, I don't know what it is. It's like, oh, we're going to load part of it here and part of it there, but none of the middle seats. And and then you've got people who are sitting in the middle of the plane and all of the upper uh, luggage compartments are full. And they're like, oh, you got to put your luggage way in the back. And that's going to screw things up when we go to unload. You've got to wait and then go all the way back. And it's a nightmare. Like, I, I, I will literally avoid flying if at all possible. Like, give me a thousand miles on the motorcycle in the most inclement weather possible, and I will be far happier than I will be getting on and off of airplanes. On the plane, you're right. It's fine. I don't care. But good Lord, the whole process of getting through security and, you know, oh, God. <laughs> I have to tell you, going back to motorcycles, the most terrifying thing involving a motorcycle I've ever seen 
And given the fact that I have already told you three Memphis horror stories in this episode, <laughs> this can be number four. I was driving on I-40, which crosses the entire country, coming home from work back when I used to work downtown. And a guy on a sport bike passes by me. Mm. And he's going fast, right? But that's not the terrifying do. part. That was That's not great already. I'm it's the cruising speed is 80. Okay. So he's going way faster than this. The terrifying part of it is he is standing on the seat of the sport bike. Oh yeah. He has his arm outstretched as if he is the statue of Jesus in Rio de Janeiro tearing <laughs> down the highway at between 95 and hundred miles an hour in rush hour. And like, I'm watching this and I'm horrified obviously, but I'm also like at, at the point at which I see this, like, and maybe this says a lot about me. I'm like, I just really, really hope you only kill yourself. Like, because the, I, I can't fathom this decision, but like, I really hope you don't hit a family of four. Yeah, absolutely. There was a group in Akron when I was in college there called the star boys. And of course they spelled boys with a Z, um, you know, and they were all, that sport makes bike. it cool. Yes. It makes it cool. Um, and they would ride like that up and down the route eight and, 77 and just yeah you're like please only kill yourself and it wasn't like i hope you don't kill yourself it's like no seriously please kill yourself um so that you don't kill anybody else right like it's it, the point at which you've decided to do that that's like if, if you're just like walk around with a live hand grenade in your hand yeah like you you've already chosen an act that is so innately dangerous foolish and selfish it's like what are you doing like why like do this at 2 a.m. Like, you know, any, any, I mean, I'm not even advocating to do it. Just like you're doing this during rush hour. Like what? Yeah. Well, you know, it's for the video. I guess. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Ooh, so we're old. Yeah, we are. Well, shit. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> Moment of truth here. Like anytime I get on my motorcycle, I wear all my gear, helmet, gloves, boots, the whole nine yards, jacket, even if it's 95 degrees, I wear a full jacket, armor, everything. We get it. You like your skin, okay? I do. I, I always say that um, sweat dries faster than road rash heals. That's the motto, right? And it's very fair, Mark. Like, that's very, <laughs> very pale skin. Like, you should... <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Um, but, like, I will, like, him and haul with myself. Like, if I'm just going a couple of miles up to the CVS to pick up a prescription, like, I'm like, do I need to put the boots on? Can I just go in sneakers? And like every now and then I will. And I'll feel like such the rebel. Mm. <laughs> but then I, I see some video on YouTube. Like it's like a New Zealand motorcycle safety thing. And they show the shoe seams split in 0.3 seconds. You see his toes like grinding across the asphalt and just blood. Every and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm never not wearing my boots again. <laughs> it, it, it has a caption bald bespectacled dumbass wears sneakers on motorcycle and you're like wait a second this is specific yeah yeah that hit that hit a little close to home <laughs> it's, yeah. it's when the algorithm gets way too precise and personal you know i always say that the phone is listening man jeez it's it's stuff like that it makes me really think it is it it must be i mean like the, the amount of things that i get that i have not searched for um, but are apropos to things I have talked about. I just, and you end up buying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it told me to, Mark. It, yeah, the algorithm knows. And I, I was happy briefly. Like I clicked on it, and there was an endorphin rush. That's right. And money changed hands, and then I was briefly good. And usually it shows up, and I've forgotten that I've ordered it. You know. Yep. 
my my latest one of these, and I'll hold this up for you right now, is a new KVM switch. So if you're unfamiliar with KVM switch listeners, it's what allows you to switch between different computers, uh, screens and peripherals and stuff. So previously I had one thing which switched the two computers between the monitors and then another thing would switch the keyboards and all that. And that was a hassle because that was two things. This is one thing and it was on sale for $30. So I'm like, how could this be wrong? Because it doesn't work. Oh. Like I'll toggle it and it's like, why didn't the screen ch- it change? And then I'll toggle it back. It's like, no, the keyboard doesn't work. And then I'll do it again. It's like, surely it's me. It's like, no, it's this thing. And it's one of those things Junk. where if you, if you buy something that only has 50 reviews and they're all good reviews, it's still only 50 reviews. If it has 5,000 good reviews, at least then you can take like, okay, they can't have paid off everyone. But there are plenty of things I bought on Amazon where it literally comes with a thing. And it's like, leave us a good review. We'll give you a gift card. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, it's trash. And, and here's Amazon's credibility too. I have mentioned that in a review and they've had my review struck and taken down for even bringing up the attempted bribe. Oh, see, that's shady. Like, I feel I like the transparency of saying, yeah, you know what? This is a paid review. Like they they wanted me to say something nice about it. Um, it's, and it's man, if you catch if I, I've ordered some things where like they put that and I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to review something. Mm-hmm. And then like they get aggressive. They're like, hey you know, can you give us a review? Like they're emailing and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not giving you a review. Like, Mark, we've all been offered books by Pact. I understand how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Actually, um, Pact sent me a uh, a review copy of Josh Milligan's new book, which is spectacular. Um, uh, well, yeah. And that they would like me to write a review, which I will write a great review of Josh's book. And I also point out that Pact uh, <laughs> Spray and Praise looking for authors and sometimes they have great authors like Josh. And a lot of times they ask me to write books about AI, which, which I don't get. Yeah. <laughs> which and anyone that has even looked at my LinkedIn would know I am not remotely qualified to write. So the fact that you're pitching that to me is sketchy and it scares me. Yeah. I've had a few, I think Pact has reached out to me and a couple of others have reached out to me. Like, do you want to write a book about Tableau? I'm like, dude, do you know how many Tableau books there are? Like, I don't have an interesting perspective. That's going to be like earth shattering. It's just going to be another book. And there'll be like a half a dozen people who know me who will buy it because I wrote it. And that'll, that'll be the end of it. It won't be worth my time or yours. Yeah. It's uh, they, they recently solicited me this time. They, okay. Usually they either ask me to read a really long book for free and give them a positive glowing review, um, which I said, okay, pay me. And they're like, well, we don't pay for reviews. And I'm like, that's great. Cause I'm not going to do this anyway. And the other one is we'd like you to write a book on a topic you're neither knowledgeable nor interested in. This time they said, we have a book we're thinking about doing. Do you think this is a good idea? And essentially, really? yeah. Um, and, and uh, the topic they, they were asking about, I'm like, well, you'd be competing in the same space as like Cole Naflick and Steve Wexler. So unless you've got someone on that par, I probably wouldn't go for this. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain spaces that I'm just not even going to wade into because I respect the people who have written the books and I love the books. And there's like, there's nothing I'm going to add to that conversation. Right. What, what new am I going to say that justifies a book? Like I talk a lot already and I tweet, like I've probably said something worthwhile accidentally at some point. Some people think I did. They're probably wrong. But yeah, it's I don't I don't have like a book worth of new ideas. No, no, no. 
Oh, although he, I keep toying with the idea. Let's keep toying. You know, there's <laughs> there's ideas out there. Let me tell you the other cold solicit I get because we are on a podcast. I get cold solicits to have guests on. So they're professional podcast booking companies, which really are their their advertising agencies. And they'll say, hey, we really think the CEO of Booger.com is a great uh, opportunity to have on your show. Like he knows about boogers and like, oh, man, that'll be great. And I'm like, it sounds like you're asking for an ad. They're like, oh, how much do those cost? And it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's always like a, well, this is not on topic for my show. Like I, my, I know what people want to hear. You know, I'm not going to go with your thing. And if so, you should pay me for this. You should like, do you remember like Wayne's world when they would like have the serious guy on? I think this was the first movie and they had some executive on and they were just like, just completely trolling him. Like, that's what you need to do the next time one of booger.com CEO wants to come on your podcast and just be like, so tell us about your boogers, you know, and just. I just think that would be hilarious just to clown the guy and At then just point, don't cash I the need check. To. I mean, yeah. I, they're not going to send me a check anyway. Like I, I always bring up money just because it makes them leave me alone. Like no. saying no, doesn't make them leave you alone. It just makes them pitch someone else next time. But if you actually ask for money, they're like, no, or in the case of Tufty, if you say that you shouldn't give him money, he blocks you on Twitter, which I finally yes. did it. High five. I <laughs> finally got blocked too. Um, yeah, and all I did was basically give a review of what I thought of his seminar, which was, you know, he gave me books and then there was like a handout and then he talked about the handout. And I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I didn't pay for this and my company did. Did he make you um, do a study hall before where you read like yeah. passages from the books? Yeah, yeah, like two hours or some sh crazy shit like that. I'm like, we paid to be here, not it's, to it's sit. A, it's a brilliant strategy because it's, it's like, well, oh, I just shaved a couple hours off of this. Go read from my sacred tomes. You read from them. It's not it's not on topic to anything he'll cover. And he goes through bizarre high and low energy periods throughout his entire presentations. Sometimes he's like animated and he's walking around and he's excited and he's talking about stuff on screen. He's like he's like a diet Hans Rosling. And you're like, oh, man, like I didn't learn anything, but that was kind of fun. And then he sits back down and he puts on his reading glasses and he like hunches over a piece of paper and then he talks about that for like the next half hour. And it's like you're going like through these highs and lows and it's like <laughs> and that's the morning and you're like, I have no idea what the afternoon has in store. And then the afternoon is like, let me tell you about why you should why we should all own our own healthcare data and why this whole system. I'm like, what is that about? Like, yeah. like, like that's not even on topic. Like uh, no one gets anything out of this. Like, I mean, I could get that for I'll do that for free. I'm doing that I for free now. I feel like years ago, his seminars were probably like on point, like, but anymore. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you said sacred text, I had a picture of Mark Hamill, you know, going, the sacred Jedi texts. <laughs> I just see Tufty's books. <laughs> I, okay. So I, I don't know how, but I ended up with two uh, sets of his books. I have one that's on my shelf, which I looked at them that day. And I think I flipped through them. The other one is there's a spot in my carpet upstairs that we have like a kitten and this kitten keeps trying to tear up the carpet in this one spot. And that's where his other books are. Like they're in a box that came in a nice box. And I use my I'm, I'm not even joking. And I didn't do this just because they were Tufty books, but they were the right size and they're too heavy for the kitten to move. So they are on top of a piece of carpet. So the kitten does not continue to destroy that. 
the box is probably they're great the for that. They're yeah, great say, for that. They're, they're, they're great for raising monitors. Oh <laughs> man. Protecting like, carpet. Let me tell you, I have done many a conference call with a, with four volumes of Tufty making it look like I have less chins. Like, thank you, Edward Tufty. Oh my gosh. They could have been blank. That would have worked too. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh. you, know, and, and, you know, like, I, I don't, like, I don't really have any sort of personal grudge about the man. Like, I do think his whole art farm thing is kind of a scam. Yeah. But like, really, like, he obviously did a lot of work in the field that was very influential and very effective for a while. But I think he hasn't done anything that's been very effective and very influential in 20 years. And he's trying to sort of cash old checks, which right. I mean, uh, like, unfortunately, in, in this field, it's like a practice field where if you're not staying current, you're not going to be relevant. And his stuff was very effective for a while. And obviously, there's spark lines and other ideas that have carried on and clearly he's had an impact, but like, you know, no one stays like at the top of the game forever. Correct. I'm at the top of the game now, Mark. <laughs> well, I know this and I'm just sitting here riding on your coattails. I, I say, I say with a totally straight face. No, but <laughs> hear that tough team. No, but oh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was that was funny. Finally, getting blocked when I said, "Don't pay to go to his class; it's not yeah. worth." And like that's what finally did it. Of all of, the, I mean, I figured when I put the animated uh, GIF file of ET the extraterrestrial because he always signs his tweets ET. I figured when I responded with that, I would have got blocked. Um, but no, it was honestly when I when I when I mess with his money. So there yeah. you go. So if, you, if that's the secret, if you want your Tufty block, mess with his money and it'll happen quick. But oh. that's the moral of the story. Mark, it has been so much fun <laughs> catching up tonight. This may be either like this is either going to be a hit or the least listenable episode that we've ever done in any capacity. But it was worth it. And it's purely self-indulgent. And look, no one's paying for this. Actually, no, that's not true. I do have two patrons that send me like $3 a month. They're oh, paying for this. So thank you, guys. But yeah, on, honestly, don't get into podcasts to make money. Get into podcasts to make friends. That's right. This has been a blast. Um, we, we've been saying we need to do this for the longest time um, to catch up. And I'm so glad it happened tonight. Um, so, but we are going to, we are going to do this other new podcast. We're going to create a whole new channel, I think for it. Whole like, new channel. We're going to make whole it new happen. Channel, um, Cause it's not going to be data related really. It's, and unless it's you've more... got data about terrible, terrible glass door reviews. That's right. That's so right. send them in. That can be anonymous. It can be yours, but we'll let you know more details as it comes. And as always, thank you for listening. I have been Zach Bowders. I've been Mark Bradborn. And this was sort of kind of data plus love. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. 
You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you can get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one. You won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.